0: Okay, this morning we are in Genesis chapter three. Louis last week uh revisited chapters one and two, and he really did a great job in exploring some aspects of creation that i um I didn't focus on and about the the truthfulness of of the account. No, it's not necessarily. Um, set out to be a science book, but that doesn't mean that it contradicts science and history and geography in any way. In fact, if we were to apply apply scientific methods, we'd find it very complementary, completely (coughs) complementary, but that we take what it says as real, as real events. (coughs) to the degree that we could put it. One of those things is that Adam and Eve were real people. (coughs) And what happened here in chapter (coughs) 3, there's a lot that we can't explain, like how a snake talked and how Eve didn't find that strange. (coughs) But that this, the fall and, their, and the consequences of their decisions, really happened. It's important that we understand this. Because this, <coughs> these events in chapter 3 kick off what is to be a, a cycle of events throughout human history. And how we always retread this same ultimately fundamental Mistake, unable to break that cycle of ourselves. I heard a very interesting story. We were talking about it even yesterday. <coughs> I thought I had to include it. And um, there's a fruit. It's it's one of the most poisonous trees in the world. Okay, <coughs> people. Uh, report that if even if they stand under it while it's raining, their skin starts to burn and itch, um, touching the bark or the leaves uh, of, the, of the tree. It's very poisonous, and eating the fruit will kill you. <laughs> mm. The natives, um, they mark the tree w- with, uh, with re- you know, they danger, almost like a minefield. But there were some tourists, and they found some of, the, some of this fruit washed up on a beach. The thing is about this fruit, <coughs> it's shiny, and it, and it looks juicy. And if you bite it and eat it, it's sweet. <laughs> you get where I'm going? <coughs> so this tourist... Uh, picked up the fruit. I don't know who in their right mind would do this, but they picked up the fruit and they tried it and they thought, hmm, it's good for food. It's pleasant to the eye. And they offered it to the person that was with him and he also ate. Uh, and we were laughing, like, this sounds familiar. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, they died. Uh, so the story doesn't end. Uh, on a note that I should actually find funny, but the, the point is that just like this fruit, there's something about sin, right, that's just so juicy and so pleasant to the eye. We're going to read about a very recognizable, uh, almost like a process that happens here in Genesis 3. And you can recognize it in your own life as well when we we become aware of our own sin and how this process and the fundamentals of The original sin, this mysterious thing, is actually present in our everyday lives all the time. It really comes down to one thing. And Then we're going to connect it, once again, as we try to do every week, we're going to connect it to the gospel, to Jesus Christ. So let's look at it. Genesis 3 from... Um, from verse 1 now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman has God said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden and the woman said (coughs) to the serpent we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the garden but from the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, "You shall not eat of it, nor will you touch it or else you will die. Then the serpent said to the woman, "You surely will not die for God knows that on the day you eat of eat it of it your eyes will be open, and you shall know good and evil. When the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasing to the eyes, and the tree was Desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And their eyes were both opened. And they knew that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The Lord called to the man, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree. And the Lord said to the woman, What have you done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. And then the Lord spoke to the serpent. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we look reverently and earnestly at these defining moments in our history and how you, Lord, in your love has made a way to redeem us, may we learn from it and may we see our own Rebellion and sin mirrored in these events. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at uh, just up to those verses. And next week, we'll look at the curse itself, what uh, God then declared... So firstly, we see the cycle. Let's go through uh, the cycle here. We see doubt in what God has said. Then we see the logic. In deciding for ourselves or the logic, <coughs> then we see shame or regret, and then we see blame. <coughs> Firstly, <coughs> the serpent. did not put words into into Eve's mouth. (coughs) He didn't um, hypnotize her or force her. She added to what God had said. He said, Do not eat of the fruit which is in the midst of the garden. And she said, "If even if you look at it, you'll die. That's not what God said. <coughs> when we doubt God's truth, there's always an inroad. There's always an, an inclination uh, for us to, uh, <coughs> to doubt uh, His word and... What he has revealed to be true. Think about your own lies. Think about when we compromise, or when we excuse, or when we rationalize our sin or, or our um, our wrong. Then he says, you will not surely die, you will be as gods. <clears throat> so he brings a sense of, uh, an argument almost, a sense of logic, uh, worldly, humanly logic, to choose right and wrong for ourselves. That is the, the fundamental underlying of all sin is to (laughs) turn away from what God has declared to be right and decide what is right for ourselves. What the the snake was essentially saying was, God has told you this, uh, what is right, and he has given you a command, a test, almost. <laughs> and you can reject what he has told you is right. And you can, it says, know good and evil for yourselves. You can decide for yourself what is right and wrong. And <clears throat> He says you can be like. God. It's funny, because we're already like God. Have you, have you noticed that in our, in our own pattern of sin? <clears throat> so first we, we find a reason to doubt uh, God's truth, and then we find reason to replace that truth with something else. This is justified because so and so... This is right because so-and-so, <coughs> my feelings of revenge and anger are, uh, are justified or, or any sin we can put in that slot. <coughs> think about your own lives. Think about your past. Think about the people around you <coughs> and how much we hear justification So <laughs> the man and the woman then went to the tree, convinced themselves that uh, this is good, and, and they ate. <laughs> it says their eyes were opened, knowing good and evil. The tree in and of itself didn't possess any magical or divine properties to bestow uh, s- uh, something supernatural on them. The fact that God had put that law there, that rule, we, we always say, <coughs> well, if I was there, I would, I would never have done what they did. <coughs> but the truth is we do. We do every day because God has hold us this is his will this is what is right this is what we do and we reject it blatantly and openly <clears throat> so they felt shame they felt regret <laughs> and the consequence of that was they realized they were they were naked <laughs> the symbology of clothing in genesis and throughout scripture is it's very interesting, and it comes back to this idea of um, now there's no longer union between the man and the, and the woman because there's something that has broken that relationship. There is no longer union and fellowship with God because there is something that has broken that relationship. And the practical um, uh, form that that took was I'm naked. I need to hide myself. Think about your own lives. Think about the sin that that we are guilty of. Think about the relationships or or the form of our consequence uh, of the consequence. And think about the fellowship that is ultimately broken between us and God. What is true for them when when they sinned is true for us today as well when we sin. (coughs) We, We cannot enter into the presence of God anymore. We cannot walk with Him in the garden in the cool of the day. What an experience that must have been. We we need something or someone to bring us back into that fellowship. And from then up to Jesus, there was that divide. There was the veil that divided the the holiest of holies. (coughs) And there was the... Um, the clothes that God made for them to temporarily restore that relationship. So the symbology of of dressing and being, I am no longer ashamed to enter the presence of God. So regret and uh, and shame that comes from sin. (coughs) And then, the blame that we cast, <coughs> our response to being confronted and convicted with sin should be repentance, should be acknowledgement of our sin, and and um, Lord, yes, I have done wrong. But here, Adam almost indirectly blames God. He says, the woman that you gave me convinced me to eat. And again, think about our own lives. think about the resistance we have to repentance and even as unbelievers how <coughs> how we are inclined to to pass the blame it's even ingrained in uh, in our society today that nothing is your fault there's always an external factor there's always someone or something or that that you can cast the blame on are we guilty of that are we guilty of that this week you know i i swore at someone on the road i didn't really i'm saying I, I, I swore at someone on the road but you know they were really driving like a <laughs> so i i don't have anything to apologize for it's their fault <coughs> we cast <caused> the blame <coughs> The pattern of how sin manifests in our lives is really no different than it was there. Because of Adam's one sin, we have inherited a sin in nature. We are compelled to sin. Well, they cho- they chose to sin. But as we connect uh, this decision and the consequence that rippled throughout history back to Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 5. I just want to connect this one thing just so you can see once again that everything we're learning ultimately comes back to Jesus Christ. Adam and Christ uh, in verse 12. (laughs) So uh, in Romans, Romans is the theology ultimately of the gospel. It lays out a case uh, from chapter 1 all the way to the end for the gospel, and it builds one idea upon the next. And so uh, in chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore a sin came into the world through one man, and death, through sin, so death has spread to all men, because all have sinned. And it says, even before the law, even before Moses, even before there was accountability for sin, or, or uh, people still died. Sin was was has always been the problem. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And it says, Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's sin. Well, we didn't have to eat of the fruit to be guilty of the sin. We, we, we sin is to choose our own truth and our own version of right and wrong and to reject what God has deemed true. In whatever form that takes, that's ultimately what sin is. Rebellion against God. (coughs) It says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if through the trespass of one man, many died, then how much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, capital, Jesus, Jesus Christ abounded to many. The gift is not like the result that came through the one who sinned. For the judgment from one sin led to the con- condemnation, led to condemnation. But the free gift, which came after many trespasses, led to justification. <coughs> so here's what it's saying: one sin was enough to condemn them; was to enough to bring about the fall and the curse. <coughs> one. And that's true for us as well. One sin is enough to condemn us one moment where we decide truth for ourselves and we reject what God has decided. <laughs> Therefore, we've all sinned. One sin is enough to condemn us. But it says the gift is not like that, <clears throat> that even after many sins, lifetime of sin, God's grace. A balance over and above that, that in Jesus Christ, (coughs) one act um, on the cross, one sacrifice was enough to overshadow and forgive an infinite number of sins. So it's not one for one. We call this that Christ represented humanity the same way that Adam represented humanity in the beginning. And that the Bible even goes so far as as to call Christ the second Adam, the second representative. And he contrasts the act of sinning with the act of grace on the cross. Today, in our society, in our world, we come across something called postmodernism. It's a view that says you can decide your own truth and there is no absolute truth. Everyone can decide right and wrong for themselves and um, what you believe is fine and what I believe is fine, and it, and it doesn't matter if it contradicts or conflicts in any way, there's no evil, there is just choice. We see this more and more and more. <clears throat> we see it in political ideologies, we see it in um, various movements, we see it Uh, in economic fields. we, We see it all over the spectrum. This is actually nothing new. We've been repeating this cycle since the beginning. We've been rejecting what God deems true, and we've been deciding for ourselves. And this is the spiral of human history that gets broken at the cross. That's why faith requires a decision. It's not an act we do to earn salvation. We know that. But there is a conscious will to turn away from what We have decided and turned back towards God. (coughs) All right. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you now as we continue our journey through Genesis 3 and we find truth in what you have revealed. And we see the true nature of sin, we see the patterns in our lives. And we look to the cross. And salvation in Jesus Christ, to break that, to, to find our way back to you in fellowship with you. We thank you that you have made a way when we do not deserve it, that in your love, Christ died for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.